And let me invite you, if you would, to turn to Colossians once again. We're going to spend a little bit of time um, just surveying the theme of thankfulness in the book of Colossians. I'm going to make reference to some other passages as well. And I just want to let you know at the outset that this is going to be a group participation opportunity uh, after I speak for a little while, just for us collectively uh, to take time to give thanks to God. And uh, one of the things that has stood out to me again and again, and I've mentioned it on a number of occasions in in our morning times of moving through Colossians, uh, but is how central thankfulness, thanksgiving is in Paul's heart and mind. Uh, He mentions it numerous times here in Colossians. We know from other letters he, he speaks of it many, many times. And you get the sense that to have been around the Apostle Paul would have been to experience someone who just overflowed and abounded with thanksgiving to God. And uh, preeminently, I'm sure, because of what God had done in saving him and delivering him from the bondage of his sin and the particular ways that was manifest in Paul's life, uh, but every other aspect of all of the blessings of God in Christ as well. And so it reminds us that thankfulness is really a vital mark of a healthy Christian walk. And uh, that's the point I want to just highlight and survey as we see it in Colossians, as I mentioned in a few other passages as well, uh, just to spur us on to be abounding in thanksgiving as well and uh, continually uh, expressing thanks to God and to others, uh, but preeminently to God as well, knowing that thankfulness is a vital mark of a healthy Christian walk. So near the very beginning of the letter, look at verse 3 in chapter 1, and I want to read from verse 3 on down through verse 23 just to give uh, a sense of all that that Paul is thanking God for, Uh, but notice how he sets it up. Again, at the very beginning of his letter, it's very significant that this is the the first note that he sounds as he writes his letter after his greeting. So verse 3, he says, we always thank God. Notice the always. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and growing also as it does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He's a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so from the very beginning, Paul is abounding with thanksgiving for God's work in and through the Colossian believers to whom he's writing. He's he's mindful of how God is working through the gospel to see it spread in other parts of the world among other people. Uh, There's an implicit sense in which he's thankful for Epaphras. Uh, All of this is bound up in his thanksgiving as he's He's mindful of the work of God in the lives of these people and all that that God is doing. And so he continues on, verse 9. So from the day we heard, we've not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might 
for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And as Paul is, is letting these believers, encouraging them to know how he's praying for them, which is giving them the sense of, of how he wants them to continue to grow in the knowledge of God, in the knowledge of all of his work in Christ, and, and being strengthened, as he says, with power and having endurance and patience with joy. And then there it is in verse 12, giving thanks to the Father because he's qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of life. And then he goes on to reflect upon what God has done in transferring his people from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And then in verses 15 and following, as, as I mentioned numerous times, this is likely a, a hymn in the early church, uh, this anthem that is declaring Christ's supremacy over creation and over the church and the fullness of the salvation that he's accomplished. And so Paul reflects and, 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 and just gives praise, in essence, for uh, God in Christ. He says, verse 15, he's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He's before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. He continues, verse 21, And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister." He's going to go on to reflect on some of the, the realities and the dynamics of the stewardship of ministry that God has called him to. But you see how interwoven with his thanksgiving and his praise to God are longings and prayers for how God would continue to work in the lives of the Colossians, how they would continue to grow in the knowledge of God. And then interwoven with all of that is just an ongoing reflection, an overflowing reflection upon what God has done in Christ and who Christ is and the redemption that he's accomplished through his blood. And so for Paul, uh, this sense of giving thanks was, was, was part of the very fiber of his life, and it marked his life among many other things, but it was very, very pronounced, his thankfulness as a, as a vital mark of a healthy Christian walk. And so as we've seen on, on other occasions, and I'm just mentioning these by way of reminder, uh, he continues to exhort thanksgiving. Down in verses 6 and 7 of chapter 2, we looked at this briefly this morning as well, uh, sort of the central exhortation of the whole letter. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. 
Paul's been abounding in thanksgiving up to this point, and now he's exhorting the same uh, as an aspect of walking with Christ by faith and continuing to know him and to follow him. And then we've also seen over in chapter 3, in verses 15 to 17, uh, three different times he makes reference to thanksgiving in the context of these uh, particular aspects of shared ministry that we're to be practicing and growing in with one another in view of our identity and, and the mindset, the mentality we're to have. So he says in verse 15, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. And let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So it's as if he's sort of reaching a crescendo in the, in the call to thanksgiving within the midst of all these other aspects of shared ministry that we're to be uh, practicing before the Lord and with one another. If you were here uh, last Lord's Day when we went through verses 12, or, uh, yes, we went through verses 12 to 17, especially verses 13 to 17 last uh, Lord's Day morning, uh, I made the note that in verse 15, when he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful, um, because he goes on to speak of thankfulness and being thankful specifically with reference to God, it's not unlikely that as he mentions thankfulness here at the end of verse 15, it may be particularly thankful for other believers, those who are in the body, and even more specifically, possibly those with whom we sometimes have conflict, where there's a need for peace, where there's a need for reconciliation. Uh, It becomes very practical to be reminded we need to be thanking God for this brother, this sister, even if we're in the midst of conflict in which we need the peace of Christ to rule. Uh, So perhaps an accent there to to be thankful to God for other people, including other people, including other believers with whom we may have difficulty at times. But of course he goes on to to speak of thankfulness in connection with our singing. Uh, Somebody said a long time ago the issue in our singing isn't whether or not we can sing, it's whether or not we have a song. And uh, God intends for there to ever be a song in our heart of praise and of thankfulness to him, even as it's a mechanism, a means by which we help disciple one another and help admonish and teach one another, uh, even through our corporate singing. And then, of course, the very all-inclusive exhortation of verse 17 in, in, in all of life worship, in whatever we do in word or deed, doing it all in the name of the Lord Jesus in, in a manner that's consistent and aligned with who he is and what he's done and what he's given and what he's called us to and to do so with thanks to God the Father through him. And then, of course, verse 18 through chapter 4, verse 1 is this household code that we began to look at this morning. Uh, where Paul gives these direct exhortations uh, to these various relationships within the family. But then it's interesting, if you go to chapter 4, verse 2, after he's done with the household household code, look what he says. Verse 2, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And that's the last time he explicitly makes reference to thanksgiving, 
but we understand this is, this is undergirding his whole letter, this call to be thankful, uh, and coupled with here being steadfast in prayer and being watchful with thanksgiving. And it's interesting, even in the, in the flow of his letter, that thanksgiving is on either end of the household code. Uh, so it just reminds us again, as we would seek to be faithful in the roles and responsibilities God's called us to within earthly families, however that may play out, understanding it in the fuller picture of our um, heavenly family, our spiritual family, and having a, a continual disposition of thankfulness, even within circumstances that we know can often be hard. And so we're to continually be thankful. And that's why we see, as it's evidenced in Paul's life and also echoed in uh, his exhortations throughout Colossians, that, that being thankful isn't just a side note. It's one of the vital marks, one of the indispensable marks of, of a healthy Christian walk. And, of course, the psalm that we read earlier at the beginning of the service, Psalm 136, uh, proclaims that as well. And the writer is reflecting upon who God is, what God has done in his great works of creation, of redemption, of providence, and of judgment. And those are helpful insights of, of things to think about being thankful for, uh, thinking about who God is, the fullness of his triune glory, all the fullness and all the richness of all of his attributes uh, that we could itemize and think about the, the full reality of who he is. And, of course, all of his great works. And there's other psalms that echo similar themes. Psalm 103 encourages and exhorts us to think about and to dwell upon the blessings, the benefits that we have in knowing God and all that he has given to us. Uh, psalm 118 is another psalm that, that, that champions that reality of being thankful. And, of course, this is... Uh, very rich in the New Testament as well as we see with Paul and we see in other places, even the Lord Jesus on the night that he instituted the Lord's Supper, as we will share in. Part of that included giving thanks and, and looking to the Lord even as he was anticipating the full hour of his suffering. Yet there was thankfulness to God because of, of his purposes being realized in all of that. And so, brothers and sisters, just good reminders to us. Uh, as the old hymn says, count our many blessings. Uh, some of you know that hymn. Some of you may not know that hymn. It's, a, it's an older one. Uh, but it's a good practice for us to do. And so I want to just lead us into a time of doing that collectively, of just giving thanks to God uh, before we uh, anticipate sharing in the Lord's Supper together. And uh, so I want to encourage you to be uh, just thinking about ways to, to thank the Lord and, and things that you're thankful for. Uh, there's really no limit. We think of all the fullness of spiritual blessings in the Lord Jesus Christ and all that God is, all that he's given, all that he's done in his revelation, in creation, in redemption, in providence, and, and even very specific ways we see those things unfold in our own lives. Uh, we see his work unfold in the lives of others, giving thank for that, thanks for that, being very specific. Uh, there's obviously a host of material blessings and provisions that are right and appropriate to thank the Lord for. And so, uh, again, there's really a limitless supply of, of um of cause to give thanks and to express thanks. 
And so what we'll do is, is we'll just take time to pray together, giving thanks. And we'll just we'll do this somewhat orderly, just sort of one by one, uh, sp- but spontaneously as you're inclined. Nobody needs to feel any compulsion uh, to do so out loud, but, but we'll just have a time of just expressing praise and thanksgiving uh, to God. And so if I could have a volunteer to just start, and then we'll just take a, a little bit of time to do this, and then after a bit I will close uh, as we give thanks to God, as we express uh, our praise to Him. So, is somebody be willing to just lead out our time in giving thanks to God?